Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This is episode 79. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the podcast and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thank you for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomena and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you enjoy what you hear on The Observer's Notebook, you can donate to it via Patreon by giving as little as a dollar a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast and one year's membership to the ALPO. You can help us out by going to patreon.com slash observers notebook. If you'd like to join the ALPO, membership begins at $18 a year. For more information, visit us on the internet at alpo-astronomy.org. And you can also find us on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And also, the Observer's Notebook podcast also has a Facebook page. Just search for Observer's Notebook. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe. That way, that way you'll never miss another episode. And now, episode 79, with Solar Observer and Coordinator for the ALPO, Rick Hill. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Observer's Notebook podcast. Today, we have a repeat visitor on the podcast, Rick Hill. Welcome to the podcast, Rick. Hi, thank you. Yeah, now, before we get started, why don't we give everybody a little introduction to yourself, where you're from, that type of thing. Uh, originally, I'm from Michigan and from Bloomfield, Michigan. Uh, that's where I grew up as a high schooler. Before that, it was out in Walled Lake, Michigan. And uh, we moved out here in 1979. I went to work uh, at Kitt Peak, and then um, just stayed on. Okay. And you are retired? Yes. Oh, fantastic. Good for you. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, you're the coordinator of the solar section. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Um, I became the coordinator of the solar section. In fact, I founded the solar section. Walter came to me. He had a questionnaire in 1982 he sent out. And it had a number of questions on it. And one of them was, should we have a uh, section that studies the sun? And uh, I was very enthusiastic about that because I've observed the sun since 1963. And um, when the questionnaire came through and it was a pretty high favorability, uh, he came to me and said, okay, how would you like to uh, run it? I said, okay. you know, And uh, we were off and running at that point. But uh, it's, it's going quite well now, and uh, it, we're in the doldrums. Um, we're at solar minimum right now. 
And so uh, there's, there's about half the number, maybe a third the number of observations coming in every um, month. Or We don't do it by months. We do it by solar rotations, which is 28 days. So there's about half to a third the number of observations as there would be at solar maximum. Okay, now how? W- tell me about the cycle, the because this c- solar minimum has lasted, I think, longer than I, I expected. Well, yes and no. Um, the sol- the solar cycle is an eleven year cycle of of sunspot activity that was discovered by Heinrich Schwab um, when he was observing sunspots back in the nineteenth uh, century. And um, the, the cycle itself has a visual cycle, as I say, of 11.7 years, I think it is. And um, you, the maximum can vary quite dramatically. Um, in fact, I think there's been one solar cycle where the maximum was the, uh, was the highest minimum that was seen in another cycle. Oh, really? So um, it can vary by quite a bit. And right now, our last maximum was pretty small. And we're down in the middle. It's not unusual at all. In at solar minimum, you can have whole rotations with no sunspots. And um, we've had several rotations now where we've only had one sunspot group come up during the whole 28-day period. Yeah, it's it's um, really bad right now. So it's a good time to buy solar equipment right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are they giving them away? <laughs> Well, they're not giving them away, but you know, a lot of people are frustrated. I think uh, out there, amateurs that don't know much about the sun, um, and um, this the is eleven years, as I said. But the magnetic cycle, see at the at the bottom of the solar cycle, the polarity of the sunspot, magnetic polarity switches. So. Your, um, if you had looked at the sun and your thumb, you put your thumb up, the curl of your finger, the thumb would represent the North Pole, and the curl of your fingers represents the rotation of the sun. This is the right-hand rule. I, I'm sorry, I should have said it it's okay. with the right hand. Um, it's true for planets, too. If your thumb represents the North Pole, your fingers uh, curl in the direction of rotation. And with the sun... The sunspot, let's say, has a positive polarity for the leading sunspot, and the following sunspot will have a negative polarity in a sunspot group. Oh. At sunspot minimum, that polarity switches. We don't know why. It switches. Um, And right now, um, Teo Ramakers, our assistant coordinator, is studying this and watching it very closely. He's already detected dozens of, uh, of cycle 25 sunspots. Cycle 25 is the one that's coming up, and 24 is the minimum we're in now uh, at the end of 24. And um, so the full cycle is actually 22 years. Oh, okay. That makes sense, yeah. Love, okay. Interesting. So when, when is the next predicted solar maximum? Ah, that that's interesting. Um, of year. course, <laughs> just because of the eleven, we're going to use just the visual right. uh, solar cycle of the eleven years. 
And the next maximum would, of course, be five or six years from now. Mm -hmm. However, there are some astronomers like uh, Bill Livingston, who was once with the National Solar Observatory. He, too, is retired. And Penn, um, his co uh, collaborator, they have actually suggested that we might be going into another Maunder-like minimum. Hmm. Not good news for solar observers. No, no. But um, it will be important uh, in the climate uh, um, discussions that we have these days because we're going to see just how much effect the sun will have on our climate. Uh, the last time we had a Maunder-like minimum, we had the mini ice age. And would that happen again? We don't know. Uh, it's a time to collect data. It's a time to keep your eyes open and, and watch what's going on. So, uh, okay, just by saying we had a mini ice age, is, is the sun not radiating as much heat? Is that what you're saying then at that point? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. Okay. They don't know the connection between the sun and our weather and our climate yet. That's that's all hypothesized at this point, and, and it's not, uh, you know, um, it's, it's not a known. Okay. Interesting. Now the, 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 the cycle you talk about, that's the sunspot cycle, correct? Right. That's why I say the visual cycle. Um, it's the sunspots we see either an H alpha or calcium or, you know, some, somewhere in the visual spectrum. Okay. And, and so if you have an, let's say an hydrogen alpha telescope, you're looking at the sun at a different wavelength and you can see, uh, the, the flare, solar flares, prominences coming off the rim of, right. of the sun. Now, is that... Any, anything that's composed of hydrogen would be in the H-alpha right. filter. And then, of course, in the in the H, uh, CAK filter, it would be anything that's calcium. Right. Uh, now, does, does that follow along with this sunspot cycle as well? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. All right. So we're at a minimum for flares and things right now, too. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I was going to um, run out and buy a H alpha filter telescope. I think I might hold off on that for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, like I say, um, it will come back, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I hope in my lifetime. But uh, mm -hmm. you know, if there's a Maunder-like minimum, it might not. Yeah, crazy. And we have no idea why. No, that's we don't know why. There's a there's theories, there's hypotheses, but nothing's been proven hard fact yet, hmm. but you know, that's why we collect data. That's why we observe. That's why the Parker solar observatory is out there. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's to collect the, the information on this time. That's, that's amazing. The sun is our closest star and we're, we don't know a lot about it and why it reacts the way it does. Stars are complicated things. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. That's interesting. And that's the reason we have a solar section. I mean, you should just—you should see the mathematics. It just describes the the, the various uh, pressures inside the sun. They're 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 ferocious mathematics. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I bet. Now, what type of equipment is suggested to contribute to the solar sector? Uh, what kind of equipment? Yeah, what type? I tell people to use what you got. Okay. Um, if 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 you've got a C, an old old school C eight. Go get yourself a solar filter. Off-axis four-inch filter will be most pleasing. Um, the reason why is you want to get out there. Uh, 
at a long F ratio. It just helps you with the daytime seeing. Daytime seeing being what it is, uh, the the seeing cells in front of your telescope, if you will, mm -hmm. um, are constantly changing the refractive index of the air in front of your telescope, which changes the focus of your telescope. So it's always moving back and forth. And having a long focal ratio like that um, is, is more forgiving for the focus at, at the uh, chip, I guess, is what you would use today. Okay. It used to be film. Right. That was the old days. So you're looking for images, basically? Images are good. Um, we don't have anybody. We don't do sunspot counting. That AAVSO does that. They produce the American sunspot number. They are experts at that. They know how to calculate personal equations for all of that. And there's, it would be foolish for us to try and do that, duplicate that effort. So we concentrate on morphology, which is the uh, structure, the evolution of the various solar features, whether they be in H-alpha or white light or calcium or whatever. I think we have one person that occasionally images in iron. Really? Yeah. Um, he's got a spectroheliograph. Huh. And um, that, that's happened before. Uh, Frank Veo used to um, uh, work with his spectroheliograph. Oh, I think he's, gosh, he, he might even be in his 90s by now. Um, but uh, he used to come up with unusual wavelengths like that as well. That's wild. Now, being the coordinator of the section, do you have any future plans to grow it or or start any well, observing programs? Right now, you want to maintain your your um, uh, membership. Um, th that's a hard thing during solar minimum. Mm. And um, I would imagine other sections have the same kind of problem when planets go in conjunction. Right. <clears throat> so um, we, we are just trying to keep our people going, telling them to hone their techniques. This is the time to uh, figure out just how you're going to take this image or that image. Um, get your techniques down now because when you've got a sun with four or five sunspot groups, each of which have 100 spots, that's not the time to work on that. <laughs> That's very true. But yeah, and, and another thing I'm sure to keep people motivated is the reports that you publish in the journal. And I got to say, I, the solar section reports are very elaborate and detailed. I got to commend you on that. They're very well written. Thank you. And, and one of the other things I do with those reports, um, I try to mention the observers as much as possible in the reports. Mm -hmm. This is their... Um, only reward right. for doing this good job. And uh, I want to make sure that uh, they are you know, given the attaboy yeah. or a girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember I'm, when I first joined the ALPO, I did a, I was doing a lot of comets stuff because back then there were a few bright comets and I know it was Comet Bennett that I observed and it was fairly bright. And I made a couple drawings and magnitude estimates and sent it to Dennis Millen, who was a comet recorder back then. And two months later, I get their journal, and it's got my observations listed as contributing. And it's like, for a 17-year-old kid, that's motivation. You know? Oh, yeah. It was, it was just like, all right, I got published. You know? But, yeah, that's the sun. It's an easy thing to observe. Uh, any telescope can do the work if you have the proper filters and things like that. So, yeah, contributing to the solar section, like you said, hone your techniques now. 
that's a real, real good advice to do it. And we have, we, and any, like you say, any telescope, because we have several observers that are using 60 millimeter telescopes mm-hmm. now. They're specialized, they're H alpha. But um, there was a time in, oh gosh, I think the, the, the early 1990s, when if you had a telescope at that aperture, you weren't serious. Right. But now they've specialized these instruments as they're being built in. Uh, they're, they're very uh, uh, substantial for doing work on the sun. Some of the instruments that are being produced right now are just spectacular. Uh, I, can, I can point to um, Randy Shivak. Yep. And, and his, uh, I think his is a six inch. Yeah. Absolutely spectacular images. Or Dave Taylor and Tyler yeah. in uh, England with his images, subarc second imaging of the sun's surface. It's just amazing. I don't have that kind of daytime I'm seeing. I can't pull that off, so I do most of my observing with a Questar. There you go. That's that's a good little telescope. Yeah, I mean, even like it's Coronado. They have the PST. I think it is a personal solar telescope. Yeah, I've got a I've got a calcium and hydrogen alpha on that. And the aperture on that is what? I mean, it's one point six inches. Yeah, so it's a small telescope as well. But the images you get on something like that are remarkable. Yeah, and if you want to see solar flares and the granulations on the sun, that's a great telescope to get. And you don't necessarily need a driven telescope. No. You can let things drift through and use a couple hundred of those images because these cameras, these CMOS cameras today, they're high speed, mm-hmm. and and you can rip off a lot of images real fast. And uh, I've just recently uh, got a. Um, Celestron four-inch Moxudov Cassegrain, nice. just the tube assembly, and I put it on a, a equatorial mount, and uh, I just let Saturn or Jupiter drift through, and I'll get maybe 700 images each time it drifts through that I can uh, stack into a final image, and it's quite good. So you can do the same with the sun. Yeah, the, we, we've talked about this before, you and I, on, on podcasts with the stacking software. And it, it'll, it'll grab little images, Jupiter or Saturn, and just wherever it is in the frame, it'll line it up and yep. make one image out of it and throw away the bad, you know, the ones that are a little... I prefer, I prefer um, AVI stack mm. myself because it's based on IDL software. I used a lot of IDL software professionally when I was... Uh, working in uh, occultation work. Okay. All right. All right. How, uh, you, so how many contributors do you currently have in the solar section? I think it's around two dozen. Okay. For this time of year, that's not bad. I the exact number. I probably should have looked that up before we started talking. But. No worries. No worries. Now, I mentioned that they, uh, your observations are published in the journal for the ALPO. Do you publish them anywhere else? No. No, what I do for the journal stays with the journal. I don't um, spread it around. Um, Teo does rotational summaries on the website, mm-hmm. and in the uh, we have an email list too with the solar section. He publishes those there, and I do use those uh, frequently to point me towards uh, features of interest or or activities of interest uh, for the report. So it's it's a symbiosis there. Yeah, Teo. T- I mean, he he does it every day. Yeah, he publishes a series of solar observations in different wavelengths of light. Uh, I, I see him on Facebook. 
So that's yeah. that's where I see him put him up. But I kidded with him last week. I said, "Isn't this the same photograph from yesterday?" <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it looked well, basically right. the same. It's not like you know, you have right now with all the zero spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could you can make some really nice masks for reducing uh, um, uh, limb darkening. Yeah, there you <laughs> from go. The observations, but I would imagine Teo's probably not. <clears throat> observing much right now. I would think it's pretty cloudy out there. That's true. He's in Florida? Uh, no, he's up in the Atlanta area. Atlanta, okay. All right, yeah. They got a... But, you know, it's with Dorian and all. Right, yeah, we're, we're, we're recording this as Dorian. The hurricane's just hitting the East Coast, so, yeah. Okay. So, do you have anything else to add about the solar section? Um, Not really, except, uh, you know, come join and uh, enjoy... Uh, Looking at a star that's only one AU away. There you go. The definition of an AU. So how can everybody get in contact with you? Um, I'm uh, On the ALPO website, they have my um, uh, email address. And it's not an ALPO email address. Um, one of the things when I retired, they let me retain my... Um, Lunar and Planetary Lab address. Oh. So that, that's the one you'll find there. And really, uh, I can be contacted through Facebook as well. Right. Um, yeah, you're pretty active on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. It's a good place to share observations. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody complains about Facebook being so political and everything, but I'm on there for two things. To stay in touch with my brothers and sisters. Yep. We've never been in closer touch in our lives than we are now. And also to share observations with other people. Another very prolific Facebook poster is uh, Paul Maxson over yeah. in Phoenix, Arizona. That's true. Yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty uh, active. Uh, he's got an amazing telescope. Yeah. Well, Rick, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Okay. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. I again want to thank Rick Hill for coming on and talking to us about the solar section. Get out with your telescopes and look at the sun. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. I really appreciate it. The ratings and reviews highlight our podcast and bring it to more people across the internet. You can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and Amazon Echo. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can give up to $35 a month where you receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank the producer of this podcast, Steve Seedentop, for his generous, continued support of the ALPO and Observer's Notebook. Thank you very much, Steve. The link for Patreon as well as the link for the ALPO is in the show notes. You can contact me via email at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at, at observersnbpod. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>